You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. First, the message this morning is entitled, Press On, Press On. And I'll explain that more as we go. Father, we want to thank you for your word that gives us wisdom and insight and encouragement and comforts our hearts. And it calls us to persevere. It calls us to press on. By your Holy Spirit, press that on our hearts. Impress that on our hearts, Lord, so that we can keep on in the journey through the ups and downs, through the heat and the cold, uh, and through the diverse terrain that we may press on. Give me grace to share your message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll put our hands on our hearts and... Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, thanks for praying. Before we get into the message, we just have two weeks till Bible school begins. Appreciate your prayers for our next unit. It's called the Glory Unit, and we're looking to... Yeah, we're looking to have a great time. We're expecting God to do great things. The theme is glory in the dark. And if you're hearing about this, you can register at www.holyfireschool.com. You can find out more. So www.holyfireschool.com. And, and the message that I shared last week and the message that I'm sharing this week is a good beginning kind of taste of where we're going with uh, this next Semester, So please help me spread the word. Uh, could use the help in getting the word out. And yeah, thank you for doing that. The other thing is, if you're online, you can give through brisbanefire.com, www.brisbanefire.com. You can give there. We're looking to raise up some more supporters so that we can continue the ministry and actually expand it too. So if you want to be a part of that army of supporters, uh, you can do that, and we would appreciate your help. Amen. Now let's get into the message. Psalm 24, you can see it here. Today, we will continue with the themes in Psalm 24. We'll see what we can practically do to raise the great gates written about in the Psalms last section. So how do you raise these great gates? We had an illustration that we did, all the men lining up and and squatting down to raise these gates so that the king of glory could come in. Well, what do we practically do to raise these gates? We'll only focus on maybe one specific thing today, 
but in the weeks to come, we'll focus on other things about how practically we can raise those gates. And we're also looking at these themes of Psalm 24. So here's my translation of Psalm 24 in an infographic form. I'm going to read it to begin. The Hebrew at the top says, La Adonai Haaretz. And it basically means, it means the earth is the Lord's. Or how I translate it is, it's Yahweh's earth. It's Yahweh's earth. All the world, every dweller. Yes, on seas he founded it, on rivers he established it. Who will ascend Yahweh's mountain? Who will arise into his holy place? Clean, unfettered hands, a pure, open heart. These arise. Oh, let not my soul get drawn into emptiness, nor bound to a mirage. They carry Yahweh's blessing, the righteousness of God, their salvation. This generation seeks for more of him. They discover his presence. They pursue him like Jacob, Salah. And now we come to the last section. Raise your heads, great gates. Be lifted, ancient doors. Come, king, laden with glory. Who is this king laden with glory? Yahweh, the mighty warrior. Yahweh, the hero in battle. Raise your heads, great gates. Lift high, ancient doors. Come, king laden with glory. Who is he, this king laden with glory? Yahweh, Lord of the armies. He is the king laden with glory. Salah. So that's our Psalm 24. Let's talk about it. Here is a uh, photo of Jerusalem. Psalm 24 is a pilgrimage psalm. It's a pilgrimage psalm. Most likely, it was sung by those journeying to Jerusalem and teaches us how we press on to our Jerusalem above. If you had a, there was a little internet issue there, but I think it's going to rectify itself. So let me read this again. Psalm 24 is a pilgrimage psalm. This theme of pilgrimage, it runs throughout the scripture. You see it with Abraham, and uh, even Enoch is walking with God. And most likely, Psalm 24 was sung by those journeying to Jerusalem and teaches us how we can press on to our Jerusalem above. Do you know that the scripture talks about a Jerusalem below and a Jerusalem above? I'd like to show you this in Galatians 4.26. So there's a Jerusalem below, and that Jerusalem below is meant to mirror the Jerusalem above. And that's why we pray for Jerusalem, that uh, it would mirror the Jerusalem above, God's city, which is the mother of us all, as the scripture says. So in Galatians 4.26, we read, but the Jerusalem, but the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. And Paul here is saying that the Jerusalem below in his time, and even now it applies that that Jerusalem was in slavery to sin and to the law, but God wanted to set it free. And we are part of a 
higher Jerusalem, but that doesn't mean we forget the Jerusalem below or neglect to pray for Israel. We got to pray for Israel. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. And so that's our, our destination in our pilgrimage, in our journey through life. When seen correctly, Psalm 24 spans all time. It begins with creation, Yahweh creating all things and conquering the chaos. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it's a very interesting word for the chaos, the formlessness and emptiness. It's tohu vavohu. You may have heard me say it before. I want to see if we can say that together. It's a fun word to say. Tohu vavohu. The va is end, you know, connecting two words, end. So tohu vavohu, say it again. And it has a rhyme to it. And that's the chaos. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. Well, throughout the creation account, God is conquering this chaos. It's like he's forming the clay like a potter. So Psalm 24 begins with Yahweh the Creator. And it ends where the Bible concludes. The gates of God's city are always open and the king of glory resides there, shining in his brilliance. So let's go to Revelation chapter 21 and we see, we see this. We're going to go to Revelation 21, 12 through 13. And for many of us, this is a reminder, a good reminder of what our destination is and where we're going. But also, there's a bit of a mystery here. We're going to be talking about mysteries this semester and symbolism, decoding symbolism in the Bible. There's a bit of a mystery here because this is a city, but it also is describing us because this is the bride, as we read about in Revelation 21-2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for a husband. And then we read here in Revelation 21, 12, it had, a great wall, it had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now we'll go to verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Verse 23. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. Now listen to this part. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. 
nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So we have a beautiful picture here. What I want to draw our, our attention to is the King of Glory that's residing in this city and that the gates are always open. These great gates are always open. And here the King of Glory is shining out. There is no night there and the gates are never shut. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. And then before that, for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. And so there's this, this brilliance of God that we read about in these uh, verses shining out of the city. And that's where we are heading. And then also there's the mystery of we are that city too. Listen to the first refrain in the last section of Psalm 24. Come, King, laden with glory. Come, King, laden with glory. This is that, that cry we also read about at the end of Revelation. Amen, come, Lord Jesus. It's that same cry that the Spirit of God gives us. Come, King, laden with glory. Psalm 24, 7. The goal of our journey is for the king to dwell with us. That's the goal of our journey, is that the king would dwell with us. And we see that's what's happening at the end of Scripture, Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So this is God's covenant purpose. This is why we enter into covenant with him, why he's entered into covenant with us, is to, to dwell with us. This is the, his goal and purpose of creation and creating, is to dwell with us. And this is the, the goal of our journey, is to be with him and be in that place where he is dwelling with us. Again, another mystery is that this is beginning to happen right now through the church. God is dwelling with us. We are, we are meant to be that city where God dwells. And that's why it's such a shame why, why when you're reading in Revelation, the church of Laodicea, where Jesus is knocking at the door and he's not even in his house. He's on the outside. The church is meant to be the prophetic uh, the prophetic, uh, what's the, the right word here? Uh, the prophetic foretaste of what is to come. It is meant to prophesy this city that is to come. It is meant to be God's temple on earth. Listen to the second refrain. So there's another refrain at the end of Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, verse 8, and also in another verse, who is this king laden with glory? Listen to that question. Who is this king laden with glory? The goal of our journey is also to know who he is. Did you, did you get this? It's about this personal relationship. The goal of our journey is to 
know who he is. Who is this king laden with glory? So it's been my, my practice to wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night and ask this question, who is this king of glory? I can't come as an expert thinking, well, I know all about God. I know all about the scripture. I should come with this childlike heart. I need to know who this king is. I know him. I realize I know him. I realize you know him. But there's more to know because he is infinite. And he is glorious and brilliant. There's so much more to know. That's why the angels, uh, seraphim, the cherubim, crying out, holy, 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 day and night, and not stopping because of how glorious God is. And we're all tempted to kind of get used to things and think we, we know God, but we can never put God in a box or in our pocket. Our goal is to know him. Who is this king laden with glory? The paradox of these goals, these twin goals that are married together, the paradox of these goals is that we don't just wait till the end to experience our king of glory. In Hebrew, it's melech hakavod. Melech hakavod. See if you can say, melech is king. So see if you can say that with me. Melech, very quite easy word, melech. And then ha is the. And then kavod is glory. Melech ha kavod. Literally, it's king of the glory. Uh, how we translate it is usually the king of glory, or how I have done it, the king laden with glory. So it's the melech ha kavod. That's the original. And we don't just wait till the end of our journey to experience this king of glory. Instead, there is a gradual unfolding of his glory every day as we press on toward his final destination. Daily we should ask, who is this king of glory? And expect him to reveal himself. Expect him to reveal himself. 2 Corinthians 3.18, this is a classic verse. It says here, and this is what I'm talking about, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. So as we contemplate the glory of God, as we, we see his glory, and as we see his glory, we end up reflecting his glory. So as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed. That is the way of transform transformation. So that every day we should be renewed, we should be transformed, we should be changed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So we're growing in glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about that. Uh, Anna and I went to the Queensland Art Gallery. So we had one, day, one night that we got away, and we went to South Bank. And they said, where did you come from? Uh, was, we checked into the hotel, and I said, from Boondle. <laughs> we, made, we came from far. But it's, it was a nice little getter, getaway, and, we, and I didn't even go to the Lifeline Book Fest. You know, it was right there. And I didn't go. I thought, that's going to, you know how much I love books. That would distract my time with Anna. 
So we went to the art gallery. This was one of the photos, uh, one of the, not photos, I took a photo of this painting. I like this painting. And I took a, a photo of this painting and the, that rock formation looks like a gate there. And there was a whole room called the, the feeling of light. I love that room and a lot of the paintings were coming from the 1800s. This is uh, one of those paintings. And we had a, a, a great time. And thankfully we came home. Thank you, Eva. Thank you, Valerie. And thank you, Allison. We came home to a house that was not burnt down. And so God answered, our, God answered our prayers. They did a good job keeping the place. <laughs> the unveiling of God's glory makes life worth living. See, in life, we have these trials. There's these ups and downs. We, we don't have much. We have more sometimes. We don't have much other times. There's different we go through, all, there's a lot that we go through. I think of all that Yushi and Davina have been through the last couple of months, and please be praying for them. But um, in all these trials and all these things we go through, it's the unveiling of God's glory that makes life worth living. There's more than just our troubles in life. But if we don't watch, our mind gets fixed on all the troubles we're going through. This happened to me. This happened to me. This happened to me. And we get overwhelmed. And that causes our head to hang down. And what is the scripture calling us to do? Lift up your heads, great gates. And here, it's speaking to us in code that we are those gates. We are the gates. And as we lift up our heads, as we lift the gates, the king of glory comes to dwell with us. So the unveiling of God's glory makes life worth living. I had a conversation with a friend recently, and he said to me, why do you keep on going? All these difficulties, all these problems, all these things that you're going through, why, why do you keep on going? Why don't you just do something else? So I said to them, I have to be obedient. I have to be obedient, and I want to be obedient, and I'm doing it because I love Jesus. And while it doesn't look any, uh, anything uh, fancy, it's what God has called me to do. And so I want to be faithful in doing that. And then it's also this, this unveiling of God's glory every day that makes life worth. It makes life worth living. So on Thursday at 3 a.m., I felt drawn to this book on my shelf. I was sitting in my chair. It was early. And, you know, when you're, when you're tired, you, I was just sitting there thinking about, uh, Lord, I love you. And, but I, my, mind, my eyes were drawn to this book on my shelf. And I sensed the Holy Spirit say, I dare you to read it. I dare you to read it. However, I wasn't sure if it was the Holy Spirit or if it was myself. And so I was like, is this God speaking to me? I don't know, but it, it's, let me just try it. It's a, I know it's a good book. I've, I've, read, I've read bits and pieces of it before. So I decided, it, I decided to take it off the shelf and read it. 
And since then, I haven't stopped reading it. The book is called The Memoir and Remains of Robert Murray McShane by Andrew Bonar. So I'm going to uh, do some quotes from you, but talk about Robert Murray McShane for uh, a few minutes because he inspired me this week. Here he is. This is, oh, I'm just trying to, there we are. Every time that helicopter goes over, now this is not a conspiracy thing, but every time that helicopter go, goes over, it seems to affect the internet. <laughs> I don't know if, that, if it's anything related. Huh? But uh, the book is The Memoirs and Remains of Robert Murray McShane, a Scottish minister who lived from 1813 to 1843. He didn't reach the age of 30, yet he left a treasure chest of writings and paved the way for the 1839 revival in Dundee, Scotland. So, you know, there's a lot of, I talked a little bit about Scotland last week. Um, Australia has a, a rich Scottish heritage. Scotland also has a rich Christian heritage. Do you know what Mick means? You know, when you have like Mac or Mick, you know what that means? I didn't know what it meant, but I studied it this week because I kept on coming across Mick. You know, we have McDonald's, but here we have Mick Shane. It means son of, son of. So if somebody was McDonald, he was the son of Donald. It was a way of showing the lineage. So here we have Robert Murray McShane and Dundee, you know, Crocodile Dundee, but this is Dundee in Scotland, <laughs> uh, not Crocodile Dundee. But here was a, a young man. He almost made 30, but he didn't because of health issues, but he had a burning love for Jesus, and it comes through all the pages he writes. And he paved the way for this great revival in Dundee, Scotland. Here is Dundee now. You can see some of the historic buildings. In this revival, the Scots, known for their hard hearts, became overwhelmed with God and overwhelmed with his presence. The Holy Spirit moved in every city corner and across denominational boundaries. Andrew Bonar writes, day after day, the people met for prayer and hearing the word, and the times of the apostles seemed returned when the Lord added to the church daily of such as should be saved. So that's one of the reports from the revival. Interestingly, Robert Murray McShane, he prepared the way for the revival, but it happened when he was on a mission trip to Israel, and this is Israel when it was known as Palestine, and that name Palestine was a derogatory kind of name because it means Philistine, so they would say when people name it, there's the land of the Philistines, but he wanted to go, and uh, the Israel was not a state again, 
but he went on this trip. He loved Israel. He, all throughout his pages, pray for Israel, pray for Jerusalem. And he, he met the people there, the Jewish people there, the Arabs there. And he would say in his write, writing, one day Jerusalem is going to be restored. One day, you know, Israel is going to be saved. But this is going back in the 1800s. And he goes on this mission there and he's, um, and it's like an intelligence, he, he saw it as an intelligence gathering mission, but also a time to spread the word. And it was while he was gone, then he comes back and realizes, oh God, all the time we've been praying for a move of God and my congregation is so hard-hearted, he writes in one part. It's so hard-hearted, so stiff-necked, but in this stiff-necked, hearted congregation, God moved. And one of the reasons I bring that out is because we often think Australians are tough as for the gospel, and they are a bit tough. Uh, but God can overcome that. He has done it throughout history, and he can do it again. And that's why we remind ourselves of these revivals. They thought, you know, you're reading, they thought there's no hope for this type of thing, but we're believing and we're praying. But God gets the glory when hard hearts are overcome. Here's Robert Murray McShane, and he says this, a calm hour with God is worth a whole lifetime with man. A calm hour with God is worth a whole lifetime with man. He loves spending time with God. At times he was not as faithful with it as he wanted to, and so he would repent of that. He loved spending time with the Lord. Personal prayer is an oasis with God that refreshes us on our journey, on our journey. So personal prayer is an oasis with God that refreshes us on our journey. And this is the main thing I want to encourage you toward. And then at the end, I want to put a challenge for us this week. So here's this oasis in our journey. We are not saying that the journey is easy. Even Robert Murray McShane, when he was talking about his journey into Israel and to Israel and through Egypt, he was saying it was so difficult. They couldn't write back home. And uh, yet it was rewarding. And so our pilgrimage is not easy and yet God provides this oasis that refreshes us, and that is personal prayer, secret prayer. This is the port of Dundee here with the ship. Without personal prayer, it's impossible to persevere. I'm going to say that again. Without personal prayer, it's impossible to persevere. It is like not putting fuel in the tank. But what, what, there's a verse that says Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. When we're in personal prayer, our goal is to see his glory, to see the one who is invisible. And this empowers us to persevere. It empowers us to press on.
Robert Murray McShane again says this, I ought to spend the best hours of the day in communion with God. It is my noblest and most fruitful employment and is not to be thrust into a corner. I'll read that one more time. I ought to spend the best hours of the day in communion with God. It is my noblest and most fruitful employment and is not to be thrust into a corner. Robert Murray McShane popularized reading the Bible in a year. Have you heard about reading the Bible in a year? Well, he was one of the men that popularized reading the Bible in a year. He came up with his own plan by reading at least three chapters daily or four chapters. If you read four chapters, you can go through the New Testament two times and the Psalms two times. If you read three chapters daily, approximately, you can read the whole Bible from beginning to end in a year. Just three chapters daily. It's not too much. And so he popularized, popularized this. And on the Bible app, there are plans. You can go to plans on the Bible app, and you can scroll down a little bit, and you can see the Robert Murray McShane. I think it's called the McShane Yearly Bible Reading Plan, something along those lines. And there's also modified uh, plans based on his plan of reading the Bible through in a year. Is a gate at Jerusalem, the old city. Prayer motivated by love for Jesus is one of the chief ways we raise the great gates for the King of glory to come into our lives, churches, and cities. So we're getting back, we're getting back to the basics here. Prayer motivated by love for Jesus is one of the chief ways we raise the great gates for the King of glory to come into our lives our churches, and our cities. If it wasn't for daily personal prayer, Anna and I could never make it on this journey. Neither can you. So I would say this as a testimony. How do we get through the things we get through? How do we find joy and peace and strength? Though we're not perfect in it, it's through daily personal prayer. And Anna and I can never make it on this journey, neither can you. Even Anna was, in, even when we went away, it was in the morning, and Anna was interceding and praying for somebody. She had like a distressed look and some tears in her eyes. And I said to Anna, we're on holidays. <laughs> We're on holidays. You take a little bit of a break. <laughs> but I just want to say this is how we live. This is how we live is through personal prayer. And everyone, everyone has access to the Holy of Holies. If you're lost about how to begin praying daily or restart after stopping, maybe you used to do it, you need to restart. Maybe you're lost about how to begin praying daily. Jesus shows us the way to pray. 
Jesus shows us the way to pray. And we're going to be ending with this, but I'm not going to develop this as much because this is a big infographic. What I want to do is just give you a taste of it, and then you can take it home. And I have, I have it in, uh, sorry, black and white. It's not like hard, hard uh, paper. But if I can get someone to, thank you, Missy, someone to pass this out. So just take one. You can take as many. There's, there should be enough for everybody, even the kids. If they, uh, You can take one. And this is called Jesus' Way to Pray. It's based on something I taught a while ago, but now I made it into an infographic and, and fixed it up a bit. So Jesus' Way to Pray. Jesus' Way to Pray. Understanding the Lord's Prayer. So in Matthew 6, we see in the Sermon of the Mount the Lord's Prayer. And this is the Lord instructing us and teaching us the way to pray. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Missy. Appreciate it. So I'm going to zoom in here, but you, you have it with you. I have a black and white version. I'll, I'll also send this out to everybody so that you can, you can have it. But I'm going to go kind of rapid fire through this. The first thing when we come, in the, come to the Lord's Prayer, the first thing that we notice is that it's personal. And so I have here, first thing is person. Prayer is about the person of God, our Father. So be personal. Prayer begins with intimacy. Prayer begins with intimacy. It's personal. And a, a prayer would be quite boring if it wasn't personal. Though there's people that pray really hard and don't have that intimacy. But that's where it begins, with the person of our Father. And then two, place, who is in heaven. And this whole, our Father who is in heaven, this causes us to lift up our eyes off of the earth to heaven and what heaven is and what it's like. And that's the dwelling place of the Father, the place. So position your eyes toward heaven, putting first things first. So we have the person, the place, and then praise. Hallowed be your name. They all begin with P. Hallowed be your name. Prayer is about glorifying God, not yourself. So sometimes we can make it fixed on ourselves and all our problems and issues. And God does want you to bring to him your burdens. But more important than your burdens is about glorifying him, praising him, lifting him up, singing to him. So praise. Here is Jesus teaching us how to pray. And then the fourth thing, presence. Presence. In Matthew 10a, presence, your kingdom come. At its heart, prayer longs for God's presence and power on earth. And the prayer, your kingdom come, is very similar to Psalm 24, 7 through 10. Come, king laden with glory. Come, king of glory. Because the kingdom in Scripture is about the rule and reign and activity and presence of God. So what when... Jesus is teaching us your kingdom come. He's teaching us to pray. Let your presence come. Let your dwelling come. 
and let the king come because he rules the best. King, come and rule here and battle for us and fight for us because you are the mighty warrior. You're the Lord of hosts. The fifth thing is purpose, Matthew 10b. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to know what God's will is in heaven, and you find that through Scripture. Prayer's purpose is establishing the Father's will. Get to know His will through His Word. And that's why incorporating reading Scripture in your devotions, like Robert Murray McShane uh, encouraged his flock to do, doing that is important because it causes you to know the will of God causes you to know his heart so that you can pray his heart. Now, for me, when I read the Bible, I like a, a slower approach, like at Bible school when we're studying the Bible. We go through the Bible once every three years. So we're almost near the end cycle of that in the book of Revelation, also Ephesians. Uh, we go through the Bible every three years. I like to take a slower approach, but that's a, I, I do all sorts of things. I'll read the Bible fast. I'll read it slow. I'll read Psalm 24 once, and then I might read it like a hundred different times, and I'll read it in the original. I just keep on reading it over and over, and I find that the more I read, the more I look at it, the more God speaks to me. And then I'm just kind of sharing what happens in my life. I also feel like the, the pillar of fire moves over different passages of Scripture and dwells there, and I can't move on until God says move on. And so I will stay there and I'll glean from it and then God will say, move. And then I'll move with, with that. And so that's how I, that's my approach in devotion to the Word. Six is provision. I like that bread. Yeah. Uh, Davina, you brought me some bread that looked like that, so you inspired that, you, you and Yushi. <laughs> the provision, the bread. Give us this day our daily bread, Matthew 6, 11. Prayer seeks God's provision, not just material things, but the manner of God's word. So that's the bread we need the most is the manner of God's word. But we also pray for provision. Lord, provide for us. We look for, don't see that your workplace is your provider, even though you have a, a boss. Don't see that your workplace is your provider. Don't see other people as your provider or the government in their system, uh, see the Father as your provider and look to Him for your provision. Seventh thing with prayer, the way Jesus taught us to pray, is purification. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts. And forgive us our debts. Prayer seeks for God to make our hands clean and our hearts pure through Jesus' blood. Through Jesus' blood. It's Jesus' blood that washes us, cleanses us, as we read about in 1 John 1, 9. So we're going to God asking for His purification. And then also, we are asking for His peace to forgive others, and we're forgiving as we're receiving forgiveness. We are also giving forgiveness as we also have forgiven our debtors. So forgiveness is something we need to do daily and should be a part of our life. Uh, something happened to somebody that I dearly loved. I really wanted to take some type of revenge, and I just kept on coming back to this part and forgiving and praying for the person who hurt us. 
In prayer, you both receive and give forgiveness. So this peace. I didn't know I'd go through all this, but we're almost finished here. Protection, protection, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray for protection from sin and Satan's schemes. David often prays this way in Psalms. You'll see him praying for this protection, but it's a protection, not just physical protection, but protection from sin, protection from Satan. And the Lord is our strong tower. And lastly, power. This part, they said, may have been uh, added to Scripture at a later date because it's not found in the earlier manuscripts, but I think it's a good conclusion here and it's part of the Christian tradition. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Ultimately, prayer is fueled by the Holy Spirit's power. So we need God's power to pray. And that is our, that's Jesus' way to pray. And if you do that, you will be effective in prayer. So this is my challenge for this week. Are you up for it? It's not too difficult, but it could be difficult. This week's challenge, pray personally each day. Oops. So pray personally each day. This week is a special time set apart for prayer to start 2024 right. Sorry at home, I've been having some internet issues here. Usually there's no internet issues. Wonder if it's the humidity. <laughs> oh, it's been off the screen. Oh, okay. okay. So this week's challenge, pray personally each day. So this week, we want to start 2024 right by personally praying every day. So that's my challenge before you. Have a time of prayer every day. Now, this week I am going away too to pray. So I'm having the, my annual prayer retreat. And so I'm, I'm basically asking you to join with me as I pray. And I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for the church. And I want to, you know, the reason why I give you this Jesus way to pray infographic is to guide you, to help you to pray. So part of the challenge is use that infographic so that you can, you can pray. You can pray each day. Amen? Amen. So we are going to... We're going to pray right now. And then we'll fellowship. Amen? Thanks, guys. You got through the heat. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for this oasis that you've given us of personal prayer. And that through personal prayer, we can come to your rivers of living water and we can drink deep, deeply and be refreshed. And also, Lord, through this personal prayer in the secret place, we can see your glory. And it's the glory of your face that encourages us. It brightens our day. And I'm asking for each one to have the grace to spend time each day in prayer. That if this has become some kind of discipline that they have forgot about, 
that it would be revived in this week and that your people would be strong in prayer. Give them the grace. Guide them. Use these little things that we've been talking about, the infographic, and especially your word, which is no little thing, but especially use your word to encourage us and give us wisdom. May we open up these great gates through personal prayer, allowing the King of glory into our lives. And this is what we're praying. King of glory, come into our lives. King of glory, come into this church on the park. King of glory, come into the Brisbane church. King of glory, come into our city of Brisbane. We need you, Lord. You are the Lord strong and mighty. You are the Lord mighty in battle. So we love you and praise you. Pour your grace on us. And also as we break for fellowship, help us to pray for one another and bless one another and encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys.